Hello and welcome to Why Bother Podcast. I'm Mark Mayo, a journalist fascinated by the fringes of our mainstream culture and the sort of people that occupy them. During this series, I'll be speaking to some of Britain's smallest political parties to ask them what motivates them to dedicate time and energy into a cause that can often only be rewarded by a grinding election, a handful of votes and a lost deposit. My focus is not so much the policy of these parties, but the people, the culture and the position that they are striving for within our political system. These are tales of camaraderie and morality from those who aim to turn hopeless causes into reality. In the first episode of this series, I spoke to the Yorkshire Party. Any place with the self-appointed title of God's Own County is unsurprisingly going to develop a sense of patriotism. Arguably, Yorkshire is the most patriotic county in England and perhaps the one with the most developed sense of self. I wanted to find out whether the party that aims to represent these people is a natural result of this community personality and whether it was the inevitable that Yorkshireism would become a significant part of the region's and the country's politics. First off, I spoke to Bob, Tim and Darren from the party's executive committee. OK, right, I'm, I'm Bob Buxton. I'm the leader of the Yorkshire Party and the Yorkshire Party's candidate for West Yorkshire Mayor. My name's Tim Norman. I'm an East Riding and Bridlington Town Councillor. And within the Yorkshire Party, I am their deputy leader and also their spokesperson on businesses. I'm, uh, my name is Darren Longhorn and I am the chair of the Yorkshire Party. Seems to me like a, an interesting, um, almost an, an obvious party to exist, really, because you have parties, you know, for for Scotland and Wales and everything. And Yorkshire, as we've particularly seen at certain flashpoints over the last decade or so, I think back to the, the 2012 Olympics when there was talk that Yorkshire was as good, fifth in the medal table or whatever, whatever it was. It seems almost obvious that there should be a Yorkshire party to to just or to satisfy rather what is quite you know you could argue one of the most sort of county patriotic counties in the country yeah absolutely um, i would suggest yorkshire is in my opinion probably the most famous um, regional identity uh, in the world if you say you're from yorkshire anywhere in the world people know what that means there was the yorkshire devolution uh, movement so there was that just before the yorkshire party existed which is carried by the yorkshire party originally um but yes the the identity of yorkshire like as a political entity, it still isn't really that strong. The Tories are trying to say there's no such thing as a Yorkshire cultural identity. They're scared of a powerful Yorkshire. They don't think they would necessarily win if there was a Yorkshire Parliament. They wouldn't necessarily get a majority there. And I thought it happened recently. I think they're probably right. Um, but that is political and moral cowardice, of course. You're saying you can't have devolution because we don't think we'd win. You don't think, we don't think you'd vote for us, so you can't, can't vote for your own your own regional parliament. But the identity is very strong. And um, we see more and more parties uh, agreeing with us that there should be a regional parliament and nicking some of our, our ideas, which, you know, it's a, it's a positive thing. People are taking our ideas on board and, you know, we can work reasonably with other reasonable parties. There's no problem with that. But yes, it is, it is a very strong identity. It's a party which should exist. And other regional parties um, are also out there. The, uh, the North East Party, I think they formed around about the same time, but it's not going to be slightly older. Uh, very recently, there's a Shropshire Party. So there's there's one or two others. Of course, there's a Cornwall has its own party, has had for quite a while. So I think you'll probably see uh, more regional parties emerging in the next few years. And there's nothing 
something abnormal about the sort of devolution that we're after. It's normal in basically every other democracy in the world. So yes, it's an obvious party to, um, to be existence. It's an obvious identity to be proud of. It's an obvious administrative area. And if if we were being run by any other country system, there'd already be a regional parliament for Yorkshire. To have that identity that kind of spans over particular wings of left and right and old parties and other parties, that's quite useful, isn't it, to have as a kind of unifying force? Yeah, it can be. It can be. But it, it can get to be, a, 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 you know, there can be a bit of a chore, you know, people... People think that um, they, 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 they focus on the joke elements of kind of the Yorkshire culture and they think that it's all flat caps and whippets and, 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 and that kind of thing. And that's, that's really not what we're about. You know, we're not, we're not, we're not trying to push, push this kind of stereotypical Yorkshire attitude. You know, the Yorkshire Party is for all people that live and work in Yorkshire. So what sort of people vote or what do you find are the sort of people that vote for you then? Do you find that there are kind of Tory Labour defectors, people that perhaps don't vote generally are coming out to vote for you? How does that sort of sense when you go you know, knocking on doors and, and that sort of thing? It's, it's difficult to say, really. Um, it's a mix. It's just it's just a complete mix. And the most common thing that you hear on the doorstep is Yorkshire Party. I've not heard of you. Why haven't I heard of you before? And that you know that's because we're a small party and it's difficult to get to get publicity. But you know we we we're working on that and um, we, we, it can only grow. Every time we stand a candidate in an area, then everybody that votes in that area gets to see the party logo, and they they can ask themselves, as I did, who is this Yorkshire party? The fact that we are very much a localist party kind of resonates with a lot of voters because. Being the localist, you, you know what the local issues are. So when you're out there and you're talking to somebody on the doorstep about, for instance, a bridge which has collapsed over a railway which has been there for like 40 years and everybody and their parents and their grandparents have walked across this bridge to get to school and they need that bridge putting back into place, but you've got to fight for it with the council to get it put back into place. It's those sort of things which which encourage people to vote for you. It's those sort of things which encourage people to see that you do have the local needs of, of the local people at heart. And it's those sort of things which say to people that you're not just going to vote down the way that the party whip is, because that is one of the massive things about the Yorkshire Party. We might have... 20, 30 councillors, we might, we might end up in two, three years' time having three or four MPs spread across Yorkshire. But all of those MPs and all of those councillors will not have a party whip. People who, who are from these areas and everything know this sort of stuff and people who have visited these areas, but to gen- generally kind of get the attention of the wider country would be a thing that I suppose you would imagine you'd need for the kind of moving forward. How difficult is that? How, how do you plan to go it about? Is, it is that? difficult and you, you have to fight uh, um, for every every single piece of publicity. I mean, I mean, we had a, we had a, a bunch of people who were uh, scouring the BBC website, for example, during the general election, looking for articles where we could have been included but weren't. There was a, there was a particular infographic that they published um, showing who was standing, how many candidates in England, and it went all the way down to the independent 
the indep- I forgot what they were called at the time, um, the Independent Group for Change or something. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and there were only three candidates. And, and yet there they were on the infographic. We stood, you know, 28 candidates and we weren't even, we weren't even included. And, but they, we did manage to get that changed. And in fact, um, the, the BBC added us to another section of a, a sort of precy of, of who are these parties and why might you vote for them? So, you know, we did, it was a win, but it was a hard fought win, you know? So, you know, we, we, we are becoming noticed and it's, and it's just about, it's about persistence. It's about continuing to do it. Even when you think that you're not having any effect. Um, eventually, if you put out a press release every week, somebody will actually say, who are this, who's this Yorkshire party? Maybe we should talk to them. Maybe we should find out a bit about them. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what provoked you to ask, ask uh, to talk to us, but uh, you know, there must have been some 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 trigger in your mind that thought, "Oh, who's this Yorkshire party? Why should I? Why should I maybe want to talk to them?" It is difficult. Like some areas of the media, media are very fair to us indeed. Certainly uh, in West Yorkshire, had some, some very good coverage um, in recent years. Uh, and you know, Radio Humberside, for example, gives us a lot of coverage. Um, and other, with other sorts of media, it's a bit, it's a bit more sporadic. And, you know, we've, we've been on, you know, we were on ITV during the general election. It's it's a bit of randomness to how much coverage you get there. Um, but, you know, a, a politician to blame the media is like a sailor blaming the sea. It's one of the things that you've, you've got to become better at. You've got to put yourself out there, as I'm doing with this interview indeed, um, uh, really all the time. I think we're, we're increasingly doing that. We've got uh, far, far greater media presence and the internet presence. I think uh, even just even just the last uh, few months. Uh, but yes, it's um, you know you, you can't force people to take an interest in politics. In a lot of ways, the politics that we have now, particularly in the mainstream, are, are, are even more left versus right than you know they're more dogma driven than ever before. Certainly, you know with Brexit and Corbyn and people like that. But then you're kind of in a operating in a different way, a, a different universe almost, where you're saying. We are a, a single issue party at the moment, but when it comes to the sort of you know the nitty gritty of making a decision here or there, policy is almost open to interpretation every single time, isn't it? Um, I think the formation of, of policy, the decisions that that we make, uh, yes, we um. So how, how do we how do we make policy? Yes, yeah, so we, we don't instantly think, oh, we must do a, a right wing thing or a left wing thing, or even we must do a, or even must do a centrist thing, because well, what does that what does that really mean? Um, we, we consult with our policies. We consult experts. And lots of people, you know, do, do talk to us. Some have to be, you know, names. We consult with people. Say no. We want to say neutral. We'll help you form this policy, but we remain neutral because we're not, we're not into, into politics as such. And so we consult with experts. We consult with all members of the party. So our policy making process will give people a draft. Right, you suggest amendments. We'll vote on those. And things individual members suggest. Um, come to policy if, if it makes sense to do so and members then vote on the final thing so yes w- we are very much doing everything from first principles uh, with our policies and that's absolutely, absolutely the right thing to, to do I believe and uh, I mean I hope, hope it becomes normal but even you know, the localism itself this is an um, important point um, to make um, we may be operating a different universe to the Westminster Party but very much the same universe as every other democracy in the world the UK is the most centralised democracy in the world, to put that another way, to find a more centralised country, you have to go to a fascist state. And okay, we've had some successful devolution, Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland, of course, uh, to an extent, London Assembly. Um, but within England, it's incredibly centralised. 
And um, you have to say, how come Andy Burnham's having an argument with central government? Um, you know, personally, we believe more in a more parliamentary model rather than all um, mayoral model. But nevertheless, he's the person elected to represent Greater Manchester, and yet it's not down to him. So, what was the point in, in his election? You know, he's I he's doing good jobs as spokesman. Fair play to him. Um, but it doesn't really make any democratic sense. You're listening to Why Bother Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at why underscore bother underscore pod. Is this a full-time venture for you or is, is it kind of once you, you get back at five o'clock in the, in the evening from your, your daytime job, you get to do an hour of Yorkshire party sort of stuff? How does that balance work? Yeah, um, it's, I'd say it's one of my full-time jobs. Um, my actual full-time job is, is a teacher teaching engineering apprentices in Bradford. Um, this is one of my other full-time jobs. Um, I mean, parish councillor is, is is unpaid. That's um, a part-time job because I'm mayoral candidate as well. And, you know, obviously the workload for that is just going to go uh, up and up. Um, I, th- I think you've got to be a, a bit of a workaholic. It is difficult. I've got, I've got family, for example, other challenges. My, my son is currently in the same room as me because he's desperate to get a snack. So I've got that to cope with as well, that distraction. Um, but you, you, you've got to be a workaholic. and um, you have got to be very passionate about it. You've got to be passionate about it and drive some satisfaction, even when, even when things, you know, maybe you have a bad week, maybe you have a bad result. Um, you've still got to, to to keep that single-mindedness. So the thing to do is, is to press on and, you know, don't be put off by, by a bad result, if you like. You know, keep going and get the next good result. Um, but yeah, work-life balance, I mean, as you said there, do an hour in the evening. Um, yeah, I mean, some, some days it's, it's more than that. Um, you know, there's a lot to do on the weekends as well. I'm writing press releases every week and things like that. But, yeah, you know, um, yesterday, for example, I um, you know, got home at, uh, I suppose, about quarter to seven. Um, had my dinner, then executive committee by Zoom, then a bit, of, bit more work and stopped at about half past nine. So that was a busy day for me. Um, but you, you've got to have that passion. You've got to have that. It, it is, you know, you've got, you've got to be a workaholic. There's no, there's no two ways about that. But if you enjoy what you're doing, you take satisfaction from it, it doesn't seem um, like hard work. You know, it's, it, it's better than doing marking for a couple of hours, for example. My day job is that I've actually got um, a guest house in Bridlington. So okay. if the guest house was open, then I'd probably be spending about 70% of my time there. But it isn't at the moment. Instead, we've got this horrid thing around called COVID. And because of that, that and East Riding issues and also actually Bridlington Town issues are taking up probably about 70% of my time. And 30% of it is now being devoted to to the business, which I should be running and making a profit from. In terms of actually looking after the Yorkshire Party, I think that every time that you answer the phone, every discussion that you have, every time you get in your car, because I've got a car sticker in the back of the window that says Yorkshire Party, every time you you drive out, every time you speak to somebody, you're always representing yourself, your constituency, your ward, and, of course, the party at the same time. And by people seeing that you care and that as a as a caring councillor as a caring person they want to be involved in what what you do is it 
as you develop more time and more people join and, and everything, you kind of de- develop that camaraderie and it becomes less about teasing out and more people actually really want to do it. The, 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 the main, the people, the people that, that are in the party um, and particularly the people that, that stand for election to the exec, they definitely want to do it. You know, they're, they're keen and they're enthusiastic. The problem is, is other, other, other demands on their time, you know, Everybody's got families. Everybody's got a job, or you know, or they've not got a job. The full-time students, and it do, it is very, very difficult. Um, and and it's not to it's not to you know it's not to criticise or put the blame on anybody. But sometimes it can be quite hard to get things done. Um, but but that's just that's just something we've got to live with. That's the same with it's the same with any volunteer organisation, really. You know, you, you can only do what there are people in that group that that, that people are willing to do. And you have to kind of, you can cajole and you can suggest, but you can't tell anybody to do anything. It's uh, it, it's it's quite an interesting situation, actually. The step then from being minnows who get kind of one percent, two percent in a couple seats, and and kind of think about bigger things. How do you make that jump then onto the next level of of kind of serious MP seat challenges? Serious, you know. Coming, coming consistently second, even winning a sort of council vote. How do you make that jump? I, I think it is one level at a time. Um, that's essentially how we progress, I suppose. So when the party was one year old um, and we got our first town of parish council seats, I was um, proud to be the first person to win a contested election for the Yorkshire party. And uh, it, it was interesting, um, along the election night, because I stood in the general election, the city council in Leeds and the parish council. And it's very interesting what happened there. So in the general election, uh, actually in, in Leeds Northwest, um, there are eight different candidates. I was squeezed out massively. I've only got 143, which is still the lowest score by any Yorkshire Party member. In the city council, um, the seat is a quarter of the size. I only got 70 votes, but it was slightly Rawdon Parish Council, tiny, tiny seat, 1,000 households, 642 in first place. So where I knocked on the door, and every door, and where, where people believe that I was going to win, because the top three get elected in that election, and uh, there were, uh, I think, like five candidates that year, who were prepared to vote for me. And you've seen other other town and parish councils as well, but have got, got elected for us. So people who haven't heard of the party before, understandably so, were instantly prepared to vote for us that localist, that most local level. And uh, as we progressed, so it was 2019, uh, we had we had six, um, four at district and also two at uh, county level in, in, in East Riding. So it you know, took time. It was five years to win at the council, partly because, of course, um, those councils only elect every four years. So it's not as if we had a chance with, with, the, with the smaller councils in the case of district every year. So that's how it builds up. So you've got to be, um, we've got to win more council seats and maybe eventually you can go to a general election, having councillors in, in every area of Westminster constituency. And perhaps one of those as your candidate. Then you've got a very good profile. You're getting in the local press consistently. And you know, then we decide, OK, we'll concentrate our, our resources, our financial resources up to the spending limit and you know, the manpower resources. And that's that's when you can win. Um, it does require realism, patience, a great deal of hard work. So we take satisfaction from, from town and parish victories of course we're a localism party that's the most local level of politics the mayoral elections coming up of course quite says west yorkshire uh, this coming may and probably um south north and east uh, the year after so this is where we can possibly 
uh, skip a level quite quickly because they're fought on the turf of devolution. That's the important thing. European elections wasn't our turf, still got over 50,000. Uh, the general election was also fought on Brexit. We still came sixth in the whole of England. You know, we've got more votes than UKIP and Change UK. But these ones are on our turf, turf of devolution. So we have actually got uh, in these. So there is a chance to, to put the to go up the ladder, if you like. And uh, that'll also be a massive help towards uh, winning at Westminster. Uh, but of course, um, the other thing to say here is we want a Yorkshire regional parliament. If we get that, and we can get this simply by encouraging other parties, if you like, say encouraging, by other parties looking to take our votes. Yeah, it'd be nice to have people at Westminster, but if there was a, if there was a regional Yorkshire parliament, then I, I, we, we, we would get seats in that. So Westminster would be nice to have as well. Obviously, the SNP has Westminster seats and has Scottish Parliament seats as well. Um, but I think um, simply by winning hearts and minds and by taking even a small percentage of votes, so we're, um, you know, we're two to and a half percent average of Westminster seats, and it may not sound like much. When the Labour Party look at that, the Tory Party look at that, they might think, well, goodness, we've got all these marginals in Yorkshire, indeed across the north. I'd like to have that two and a half percent. And they might even extrapolate, well, if that's when people are prepared to vote for you in first past the post, when they feel you probably won't win, well, there's probably other votes we could get for that as well. So we can get to the Yorkshire Parliament without necessarily any Westminster MPs, and then we can win Yorkshire MPs. And that, that's really where we, where we want to be, of course. Be great for us to have a voice in Westminster as well, but it is local politics. So we're represented at every level of council. Every one of those seats is precious to us. We want more of those. Maybe we could win a mayoral election. Not much power in the mayoral in the mayoral um, deal, of course. We're very open about that. We'll do what we can with limited powers. Keep campaigning for more. Um, but Westminster seats really aren't the build and end all. But it really is local politics that we're after. And um, that, that's that's the that's the realistic aims, and we are getting there. You know, one year at a time. You know, a few seats at a time. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, the, the um, West Yorkshire mayor election coming up, which you're standing in, and it it's the begs the question, doesn't it? Is what is a good result? Do you have a good result in mind as a kind of nebulous sort of sense of general progress and and how you feel for things, or are you looking at a a solid statistic, a solid number with data and thinking that if we can get past a, a certain level, then we move forward as a party. Winning. This is our turf. It's not about Brexit. It's not about people stopping Jeremy Corbyn getting into power or stopping Boris Johnson being in power. It's about devolution. We've got to get the argument very solidly out there that this offer is an insult. You mustn't reward the Tories for the insult of this offer to half of it isn't even devolution, it's taking powers up from local councils. The funding is pathetic. Compare it to, to London's funding, it's pathetic. And against Labour, we say, well, the five councils are controlled by Labour, the West, uh, the West Yorkshire Combined Authority. People aren't happy w- with what they've done. Housing plans in Leeds were so bad, they got, um, they got defeated in court. That never happens. That absolutely never happens. But a neighbourhood forum in Airborough, managed to raise money to mount a legal challenge, which is a great achievement, and they defeat them. And even though their arguments were completely correct, they were definitely on the right side of the argument, I still can't believe they won because it just doesn't happen. Normally the big books and the, the councils wins out in court, it didn't. So people aren't happy with what Labour are doing, not just in Leeds, but in all five of those councils. If the Tories win, 
you've rewarded them for insulting Yorkshire. If I win, I'll do everything I can with very limited powers and funding. We'd absolutely love to win, obviously. Um, whether whether that's a realistic proposition or not um, will depend on a number number of factors. How we present ourselves, how we present the arguments, if we you know, and, and a certain amount of luck. Because you know, if we if we if we if we pick up some momentum early on, and we get lots of positive press, which means lots of positive publicity, we stand a very good chance. Because there's not a lot of love for either the Labour Party or the Conservative Party in West Yorkshire at the moment. You know, they, they, you know, lots of areas voted Tory that have never voted Tory before because, they, because they're fed up of their um, local Labour councils. W- whether they're happy with the results of, of having voted Conservative or not, is, it, you know, remains to be seen. I suspect that they're not happy. Um, I'm not convinced that um, Keir Starmer is going to be uh, lead, the, lead the Labour Party from the wilderness Um I think that people might be looking around for an alternative to vote for. And if we put our arguments forward in a clear and coherent way and we get, we get the message across to, the, to people who are thinking like that, I think we could do really well. Just to finish with, there was, I got an email the other day because there's a bit of, bit of a hoo-ha going on in the Conservatives' ranks at the moment. And because we'd heard of this, we sent... The, the Conservative councillor who's at the centre of this hoo-ha, he hasn't done anything wrong. He's, he stood up for what he thought was right, but he's been penalised for it. We sent him an email and said, look, Paul, we respect what you've done. We think you've done a fantastic job and it shouldn't be yourself who's getting penalised. It should be this other person. He sent us a, sent us a very nice, welcoming email back and he said that, thing about you Yorkshire Party people is that you're very empathetic towards everybody, including, he said, including us Tory tossers. And those are his words. And that kind of, it kind of says it all, really, in that the, the Conservatives, because they're so big and they've got so much power in the area, and it would be the same in sort of a Liberal Democrat ward, or it would be the same in a sort of like a, a Labour ward, because they've got so much power, they think they can do whatever they want. After speaking to Bob, Tim and Darren, I wanted to get in contact a few weeks later to discuss the future and their confidence for those upcoming COVID-affected elections. The fact that Darren had had to step back for personal reasons and that Tim was busy with council work gave me an opportunity to ask Bob about the difficulty in maintaining a sense of camaraderie and continuity in the face of the high turnover that many small parties suffer from. No, it's, fair, it's a fair point. Um, I say, Darren, his personal circumstances, which, you know, they are private, that, um, you know, he, he didn't have a realistic choice. We're still very good friends and, you know, he still helps out. He still does various things um, for the party, things on the website and social media and that sort of thing. I uh, say so it, it was unfortunate. Um, but, you know, the party goes on, um, you know, Deputy Chair Andrew Stedden is now, is now the chair. Um, Tim's a, a great, a great deputy leader to have, and it's 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 a real approach. You, you can go on holiday for a couple of weeks without worrying, you know, if you've got somebody who can take the reins. Um, there is a great camaraderie between us. Um, there's it, it, been, I suppose, a reasonably high high turnover um, of people. Um, it is difficult because we are we have all got full time jobs. In some ways, I think it makes us a bit stronger. We're in the real world. We don't have little careers. You know, you don't get paid for it. Hence, it's not a career. Um, 
So yes, it is the other thing that we're doing at the same time. Um, but like I say, it gives a certain strength. And if I can draw a slightly abstract comparison with our Olympic athletes, most of them work part-time with an, an ordinary job. So they've got one foot in the real world and one foot on the track. And I think it makes them stronger. I think that's one reason we do so well at the Olympic Games. For us, you know, I'm not saying we're, we're as, as good of people as the Olympic um, athletes, but um, by having a real job, I think we're keeping that foot in the real world. We know where politics is. We know how it affects people. And, you know, as, as mayor, I'm, I'm asking to go straight from, from the real world into a political job rather than having gone through generations of political jobs, which other candidates and, and mayors around the country have done. And you know, I won't just be another politician in a new political role. So, yeah, there are difficulties, and you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, we, sometimes, you know, someone has to be, someone has to um, stop doing their role and you have to find somebody else. But there is always somebody else. And we've got a lot of good people say we've got uh, a dozen people on the executive and others outside it who are working very hard for the party. And I think our output in media, our social media and, and printed media, has gone up massively in the last year. So we certainly haven't been dormant. We're rushed off our feet, in fact. Yeah, and I suppose for me, like with the with perhaps the view that maybe people would have of Yorkshire is that for a party that has, you know, the as you say, like the kind of one for in, one for out, like if real people, not career politicians, um, in in terms of being involved, that it seems to me that that would be naturally something that that perhaps Yorkshire, with you know the sort of the, the perhaps hard working mentality and all that sort of stuff that that you maybe associate associate with the place that. It's surprising almost that it's taken so long to be a Yorkshire party or whether, I don't know how you feel about that, whether you feel like maybe this is something that has been a long time coming in a sense. Yeah, I, I agree with you, actually. Uh, why, was, why haven't it been regional parties, not just in Yorkshire, but yeah, around the country in the, in the past? Uh, it's a very difficult question. I think um, if you look at Yorkshire, so obviously the Tories, um, Tories were in power for 18 years up to 1997. And maybe people felt that Labour were the party that were going to equalise the country. And they didn't. Their own ambition, they've admitted this themselves, they didn't equal equal the country up at all. Uh, even their idea for regional assemblies was only ones that would have controlled 2% of public spending. Well, that's that's nothing. You know, no reason, no, no wonder the North East um, rejected it in their referendum. So they didn't do that at all. And so it, it's really after that. So you've had uh, 18 years of Tory, 13 years of Labour, and then you're into the, the austerity, the Tory and Liberal coalition. Uh, so Liberals had an opportunity to to, um, to contribute to that. Uh, and then none of those parties have done it. And at that point, the Yorkshire Devolution Movement, which was uh, it wasn't a political group, it wasn't a party political group, it didn't contest elections. At that point, three of their members decided, OK, we need to, need to found a party that will fight elections because we need that publicity. And even I hadn't heard of the Yorkshire Devolution Movement. And I'm obviously very much into politics, very much into Yorkshire. I only heard, I heard, I heard of the Yorkshire Party um, just a few months after that formed and, and joined it. So I think it's it's when you realise that London-based parties won't prioritise Yorkshire. It doesn't matter whether it's Labour, Tory, a coalition with Liberals. It doesn't matter. And it still doesn't matter. Even even when to talk about levelling up. Well, sorry, but as I mentioned, the rail projects, the road projects, not levelling up at all. No, no levelling up in education spending either or, or anything else. It just isn't happening it's taken that time for it to be able to come around to the idea of well we have to form a new political party yeah and i suppose that, that's probably why there's not not too much surprise that boris johnson in particular the last election had that uh had that red wall that's kind of extends into yorkshire and 
and that was very much his target. But I suppose, as you say, it's a, it's another chance that um, whether a party can, whether the Tories can ultimately take it or not, I suppose we'll see over the next, you know, the next three or, or maybe even eight years. So um, I wanted to ask you about, well, I think I saw some comments, whether you feel like these comments were, were fairly represented or not, um, you can let me know. But in terms of some a headline I saw where you effectively saying that Boris Johnson should resign, um, you know, over the handling of, of the pandemic and such. And I wondered whether you felt the, you know, whether that was, you know, a, the type of media sort of um, stance that you'll be taking and everything like that, because you just said that the mayors are going to, you know, at the very least have a good, a good, um, a, a good sort of standing in the media. So is whether you feel like that's kind of a risk of maybe falling into like sensationist politics or, or whether you feel like that's, perhaps the sort of pressure that you should be putting on if you do get to that position of, of being mayor? Yeah, I don't call presentations easily, particularly to a prime minister who was elected you know, by the people quite recently. But this is a very um, special case. On September the 21st, we need an immediate circuit break of lockdown of two or three weeks. He kept advice secret for three weeks and then only locked down 45 days later. And that second lockdown, even that was half-hearted. That's not good enough. His own scientists were saying we need the immediate circuit break and lockdown. Not, not me, not the opposition, not the press. His own scientists. He kept their advice secret so people couldn't pressure him at that point. And he didn't do it for a month and a half and the virus didn't wait. And I don't ask regulations very easily. There are tens of thousands of people who died because of that mistake. And there was nothing wrong with the science. The science was correct. The science said we have to do this now. He took a political decision to overrule the scientists he still has the nerve to say, we're being guided by the science. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. He was guided by popularity. And he put that before people's lives. And that's why I've told him he should resign. I stand by that. And uh, frankly, I think other opposition leaders should be going in that strong. It's not an ordinary situation, not an ordinary mistake. It's not a little mistake with policy. It was an absolutely terrible thing to do. And it's below the level we have the right to expect of the British Prime Minister. In terms of, uh, you know, something that you feel particularly confident about or something that particularly concerns you, what, um, what for both of those things, what would you say there, there is at the moment for you? So obviously we're, we're making steady progress. It's not perhaps as quick as, as you might like. We're making steady, sustainable progress. I mean, to be honest, we, we have opportunities in the mayoral elections. So we have those big opportunities. Um, we've, I suppose that the, the threat really is being, is being priced out of it. I'll just consider it at the moment, because at the moment... Um, the Tories and Labour in the West Yorkshire mayor election will be sending stuff through the post. They've got lists of hundreds of thousands of registered supporters in West Yorkshire. So they'll be sending stuff through the post, including asking for donations. So they'll, they'll get the money back, probably. And um, so they have those resources to get ahead of us. And you know, to, to a certain degree, Liberals and the Greens, they may have fewer registered supporters. They might at least contact those. So being priced out is a concern. It's uh, it's 5,000 for the deposit. It's another 5,000 to get into the mayoral booklet, which you have to be in or you've got no chance. And next year, three of those, well, potentially three of those elections, as South Yorkshire, maybe East, maybe North, uh, we'll have to see. Um, so being priced out of it is a problem. And, of course, the big business does sponsor big parties. They sponsor parties who will be controlled nationally, so they get their money's worth. There's nothing good about that, um, but that's how it works. And there might be loads of companies um business people who would agree with us and we've got some of those people in the parties with very very impressive cvs but we haven't got you know we haven't got the lord's of this world chucking millions away we really haven't and like i say if a company is giving a donation to the tories it's because they think the tory government 
will be better for them economically than the Labour government, you know, and, and vice versa. Obviously, obviously, the unions support the Labour Party. Uh, in terms of other things, in terms of getting votes, you know, we're, we are progressing. If you look at other new parties, most of them don't last seven years. That's how long we've been going. And uh, that's that's probably about five years longer than most small parties manage. Change UK, we're dead in 10 months. And they start off with much more money and members than us, much more publicity. So, you know, we're doing okay, but we we didn't start this thinking it would be easy. We didn't start this thinking, yeah, in seven years we'll be there. We'll, you know, there'll we'll, we'll be original parliament and we'll be in control of it. Um, no one's ever had that had that illusion or delusion. For for yourself and and also for the Yorkshire Party, what is the uh, what is the ultimate driving factor behind you? Why bother? Who or maybe what are you kind of ultimately? Do you feel like you're kind of doing this for? Well, we've got one of the most uneven countries in the world in democracies, at least. I would argue, um, UK is sometimes called the second most centralised democracy in the world and Albania, if you take England on its own, it's the most centralised democracy in the world. So you go to a more centralised country, you have to go to a fascist state. And it just seems like so many people just, just don't realise this. And the, the press, until very recently, haven't really reported on this at all. The figures have been there. The Yorkshire Evolution Movement put those figures out, and the Occupy did from its, from its first year, 2014. But people just don't seem, until very recently, seem to realise that. Our country's way of governing is not the way that any other democracy in the world does it. There are regional bodies for regional matters. And we need to make the case, it has to be powerful devolution. A weak regional body and the mayor will have very little powers and funding doesn't solve it. We need that regional parliament for Yorkshire and other regions as well. We support any region's right to have devolution. And then, of course, that is, that is still an end to a mean. Of course, we, we need to get that. And then you'll see Yorkshire improve we of course want to be the party who would then be in control of yorkshire but even if we weren't even if somebody else was voted in they would then be accountable just for what they did in yorkshire they'd be elected on a yorkshire manifesto if they didn't deliver someone else would get a chance and eventually through the accountability and through the provision of regional powers and funding improvement would happen so it is to improve yorkshire and to make the uk fairer and stronger I think Bob makes a good case for devolution continuing to be a big factor in British politics for years to come. How Britain manages its post-COVID recovery will likely be decisive in the next general election and the election in May and, and those regions where discontent mixes with a strong community identity such as Yorkshire may be the first to act on it. As for the party itself they will have to find a way to make the quirks and hurdles of British democracy work for themselves. Regions such as Yorkshire have emitted a soft power for some time now. Will there ever be a political movement that can turn that into real material change? Thank you for listening to Why Bother Podcast. This is the first episode of a series focusing on Britain's smallest political parties. In the next episode, I'll be talking to the Animal Welfare Party. Thank you.